coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. He says that when women dress real sexy and provocative, that they're pretty much asking for attention from men. I don't even know really how to handle that. And when he mentions it around the girls, because if something were to happen to one of them, I don't want them to ever think it would be because they dressed a certain way. This isn't sitting well with you. There's something else going on here. What is it? It's that time again. It's John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, and I'm so glad that you are with us. It's the most important podcast on the planet. Possible overstatement, but barely, barely overstating how important this show is. It's the greatest mental health and marriage podcast ever. I'm so glad that you've joined us. And if you are new to the show, clearly, I'm joking. This is, <laughs> we are figuring this out as we go. So grateful that you're with us. If you want to be on the show, go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K, or give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. Leave a message and Jenna or Kelly will give you a buzz and call you back. And I've been out of town for a few, for, I don't know, a few weeks, but for a while. And it feels good to be home. A little bit good. Sometimes that hotel life is dope. All right, let's go to... um. Let's see here. Let's try Jen in Michigan. Do they rhyme? That's pretty cool. What's up, Jen? And from Michigan. Hi, how are you? Dancing like I've never danced before, ever. <laughs> We'd be dancing in the snow here, so. Oh, gross. Is it cold? It's, it's gross, yeah. It's sun. There's sun today, so it's okay. There's sun. <laughs> That's how you know you're living right when you're like, it's miserable, but there's sun, so we're good. Yeah. yeah. Got to look for the positive. There, <laughs> you don't have to, but it's, it helps. All right. So what's up, Jen? How can I help? Um, so my question is, how do I learn how to give more affirmation without feeling fake? Um, to who? So, well, well, a little backstory. My husband and I were your favorites. We're high school sweethearts. Aww. Um, Did y'all watch Dawson's yeah. Creek? I don't want to no. wait. No? No. <sighs> okay. Well, good for you. I always wanted to have a high school sweetheart. It just didn't work out for me. Okay. So good for you. So yeah. So we've been together for 25 years. We'll be married for 18 okay. this year. Um, we have four kids. We, they're 10, 12, 14, and 16. Um, we also have a bonus student right now. She's our exchange student from um, Italy. So we have a very full house. Um, my husband, he's one of like the most energetic, positive people. Um, his love language is definitely affirmation and mine is not. So his being affirmation, he's very good at giving affirmation and mine is acts of service. So I'm not so good at giving it. Um, but two of the four kids that we have got the affirmation love language and it is very hard for me to give them the affirmation. I will be able to say it in my head. I'll tell them that I'm, I'm proud of them in my head or, you know, that they did a good job or, but when I try to actually get it out, it just, there's like a disconnect um, for some reason. I just can't say it without feeling like they're going to think I'm fake or like it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. Why does your body react negatively to praise? <sighs> I don't know. Um, I want to challenge your language a little bit. Um, okay. You've got to stop talking in terms of I can't or I feel. Okay. All okay. four of your kids are in desperate, like oxygen need of affirmation. Whether you think you've identified two that need it and two that don't, all four of your kids and your husband. And contrary to what some dumb internet survey might have told you, you need it too. But something about giving it and receiving it makes your body feel awkward or weird. Where does that come from? Um, I don't know. Does It definitely makes me cringe, though, when somebody gives me affirmation. Why don't you think you're worthy of affirmation? Are you too, are you like, and, and I'm just going to run through some stuff. Do you think you're too good for it? Do you like, yeah, I know I'm incredible. Did your parents do such a great job pumping you up that 
Um, when you hear it, you're like, duh, I know that I'm the best in this room. Or is it the opposite? Like, what is it about affirmation? It is the opposite for sure. Okay. What do you feel like you're going to lose when your 12 year old comes bebopping in and worked her butt off or his butt off on something and did a good job and maybe not even a great job, but a good job. What do you think you're going to lose? What's the net loss by saying, Hey, come here for a minute. And grabbing them on both sides of the face and saying, I saw how hard you worked on this. Incredible. I'm so proud of you. Every day I thank God that I get to be your mom. It's awesome. Now get out of here. Like when you, when you hear me run through that, what do you feel like you're going to lose by doing that? Um, I, I, I don't want to say it, but I think it's say control. It. Of I what? I think that I'm, of them, I don't know, treating me like mom instead of a friend, maybe. Hmm. If that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Tell me more. I think it does, but tell me more. Um, like, oh, let me go to an example. So I, I coach volleyball and I have a practice plan out. And whenever the girls will you know, be like, well, can we do this? If it wasn't in my plan or wasn't my idea, it makes me feel like not disrespected, but one of those where it's just like, like I've lost control of, I'm no longer the authority. Maybe I don't like that word either, but. But that's what you are. You are using authority and positional power. And what I think is one of the most disregarded and overused at the same time words of our current ethos, which is, I just want to be me is authenticity. You're using those as ways to keep people at arm's length from you. What do you think is going to happen if you connect with somebody? Did somebody leave you when you were a kid? No. Did somebody mm-hmm. hurt you when you were a kid that was close to you? Nope. What do you think you're going to lose? Because you're hedging your bets against something. I really don't know. Okay. I need you to hear me like super clear. You're a great mom and I can tell you love your kids and I can tell there's something stuck between you and that relationship. And I'm saying this with all due respect and love and care, but those kids are starving for it. And your husband is too. And I promise you, you are as well. And hiding behind, it just has to be my way. It just has to be the highway. There is something about being a coach. And there is something about uh, being a parent and having appropriate, like you're not my friend, but connectivity, all, let me put it this way. All the research says is the more connected a parent is as the children are younger, the more autonomous and the more risk-seeking they are as adults. It's counterintuitive. The more we want our kids to grow up and be really strong and adventurous and just go to the college or skip college and go open the business, whatever, we have to overconnect with them. And so I'm just going to tell you this as lovely as I can. You're going to have to get over it and you're going to have to decide I've got to practice and do these things. And when it feels awkward, feel the awkward and do it anyway. And your kids are probably going to be like, what happened to you? And it may be that you have to, um, I know a couple who, struggles with talking to each other. Um, mm-hmm. He's really annoying and she finds him annoying, but she loves talking, but it just kind of comes up. So they've just both taken to writing down notes in their phone and they call them talk topics that they can just talk about when they get together. And it's kind of like when you first have your first or second kid and you guys start putting sex on the calendar and it doesn't feel as sexy as romantic, but it's either not going to happen or we're going to put on the calendar. It's very similar. And I would start making a list every day on a note card or in your app on your phone that just says, I will pull each kid aside and have skin to skin contact. And I'll look them in the eye and tell them something wonderful about them. And you're not making them weak and you're not making them cowardly. And more importantly, you're not diminishing your relational authority. You're their mom. They already know that. How does that sound? It, it sounds good. Um, I have thought that I do need to write more notes because I can write it down. Like I said, I just can't get it out. Like I say it in my head. I just can't get it out. What? Did anybody ever tell you you were good growing up? Um, I mean, yeah, my parents, they, 
they were good. It, I know my parents aren't overly um, affectionate. They weren't when we were younger. Um, so I don't know if that's just something that I take in from that where... You know, not, I, I think there's not, something else. And I, again, here's where, where it's cool. It doesn't matter. You have to fix right. this. You got to get this one right. Because I promise yeah. you, because you, the fact that you're asking the question tells me you feel that gap too, right? Yeah. What about your husband? Um, Has he ever said about, things like he misses you or where are you? Um. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like I said, he's very good at giving affirmation, and I feel like he kind of fills in for me with the kids. Yeah, don't let, that's, uh, I'm throwing a flag on that one. And sometimes the inability to praise is the exact same pathology as overpraise. Yeah. And he may be reaching for stars to try to get something he's not getting in his own home. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I would love, 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 love you to sit down tonight and write out, here's some things that I think are wonderful about my kids and make a plan to start telling them. Even if you would make a public announcement at dinner tonight that said, I'm going to begin practicing. I love each of you so much. And it's so crazy how wild I am about you guys and how proud I am of you all that I'm going to begin making sure you all know it. And it's going to be weird because this isn't anything mom has ever done before, but it's going to be new and you're just going to have to get over it because I'm going to tell you every day how much I love you. I'm going to tell you every day how much, how proud I am of you. I'm going to tell you every day that I saw, I caught you doing something right and I'm going to let you know about it. And this is you just practicing. And then you look at your husband dead in the eye and say, I realize that under the guise of this isn't my love language or whatever bull crap that is, I have not given you the affirmation that you need, and I'm sorry. And I tell you this, uh, here's what, Jen, this is important. When my marriage was on the brink, like hanging on by dental floss, barely, I remember how embarrassed I was to tell my wife, I just want you to tell me that you're proud of me. I worked so hard for you, for this house. And I, I'm ashamed to say that that would give me, that would be like water in the desert, but we tell me I'm proud. And she told her, her response was, man, that would have been awesome to know 20 years ago. I didn't know you needed that. I do. I do. So make a commitment to him. I'm going to say one nice thing in the morning. I'm going to say one nice thing in the afternoon. I'm going to ask him one question about his day in the morning, one question in the afternoon. And it's also fair to say, hey, husband, I need this too. Here's what I need. But you got to do it no matter what and how uncomfortable it is. You got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. This is something you got to get right. Our kids need us. Your kids need you. Thank you so much for the call, Jen. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on? And you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine? And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Um, and. 
Jen is on hold. She's still on the line so she can hear this. Kelly, what, you were just telling me something during the break. Yeah, so I, I understand Jen because <laughs> I, I am Jen. Yes. Um, and I, growing up, great parents, they loved me very much, and there wasn't a lot of words of affirmation. It was just, this is what you're expected to do. You did it. Great. You succeeded in this. Now succeed in the next thing. Um, we'll we'll let you know if you're not doing it right kind of thing. Gotcha. And um, so that wasn't modeled well. So if you made A's, does you're supposed exactly. to. Exactly. If job. you don't, that's where the problem comes in. Gotcha. Or yeah, you, you made this dance team in my case, or you were you know, student council or whatever, those things were expected. And lots of love, just not a lot of, hey, we're really proud of you. And I, I can tell you, once I heard my dad say it, once I heard my mom say it, and I can tell you where I was, what room <laughs> I was in, because it was so out of the ordinary. Right. And, and so... It was so needed. Oh, it was just, I just, I mean, I'm still holding on to them 30 years later, yes. on, 40 years later, you know. And, <laughs> but, so when I had my kids, I had to make a... And I still, it's still something I have to work on of my, my norms. My default is great. You did it. You want a cookie? Right. You know, right, great. Yeah. I can't give you a sticker every time you do something instead of, and we had to do it last night telling the kids, God, you know, y'all both handled the, cause you know, our, we're still in a rental house and everything. Y'all handled this really well. Mm-hmm. And, and praising kids for praising them for when they do things. And my husband included, it's something I have to, I have to. Make sure I give hugs in the morning. Make sure I, you know, I say, you know, something here. It's still a checklist for me because it's not my norm. Gotcha. So I understand that, but I've had to make it a habit. Has to become part of the yeah. norm. Yeah. And now I was just texting with my son because somebody put something in his phone that I didn't find appropriate. And he texted me this morning, hey, mom, I just want you to know I changed that and deleted it. I was like, I'm really proud of you for making that decision because I was going to make it for him this evening. <laughs> um, and I'm proud of you for making that decision. So what about, what about vulnerability feels like a loss of control? Oh, vulnerability. My least favorite word. It, because it just is a loss of control. It's Okay, that, that's so important. That's exactly what it is. It is. It is taking control of, I am going to open the door a little bit, and you could kick this door into my face. Right. I might as well just take my heart out, lay it on the ground, and let you just stomp all over it. Yes. Same thing to me. And I, so I get where she's coming from because that is hard because I am not, I am a control freak. I like control of everything. And Tell vulner- me more. No, <laughs> Kelly. Vulnerability no. is hard yeah. for me. Absolutely. And I've had to learn it through counseling yep. because it, they have my to marriage have depended on it. That's, that's right. And my that's parenting. Right. And so I've had to learn it. So it is a skill. It is something you have to learn to do if it was not modeled for you. Yes. And there's no shame in it. And it's fantastic when you learn it. I think that's the important side. Important thing on the other side of it is the unfortunate thing about relationships is the only way they work is when there's vulnerability, when somebody tells the truth. Holding back secrets, whether they're bad secrets, and we often think, when we think secrets, like it's bad. Sometimes the secret is, God, I'm so proud of you, right? Or when my daughter walks in and I'm like, she's so beautiful. And she gets so mad at me when I tell her that she's beautiful. Oh, dad, ugh. Like, right? And if I don't tell her the good stuff too, that's I'm keeping secrets from them, right? And so the only way it works is vulnerability. And I hate that. I wish there was another way. I trust me, I wish there was another way. There's just not. There's just not. And not vulnerability and weakness, vulnerability in you could hurt me. You just said it right there. You to me, vulnerability me. has always been weakness. Yes. And that is my biggest fear is gotcha. to be perceived as weak. Gotcha. And so, but learning that of, hey, I need to tell my husband what I need or why this hurt me or blah, 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 blah. And then you do it and you're like, well, I'll be darned if that didn't work. That felt, felt that like, really, yeah. And then he can go, oh, cool. I'll never do that again. Exactly. Let's go to dinner. And you're like, oh, that's- You're like, wait, wait, what? A problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is a skill you have to learn. It is something you have to practice. It's a, it's a list you have to check. Yeah. You know, it's a list and you go, yes, I did that. I did that. And then, then it becomes a normal part of your habit. So something that uh, I think Jen could practice, she talked about being a volleyball coach. It may be that she schedules out practice like she loves to do and then schedules five minutes for- at the end for them to choose. Yeah, leave some do, time. Do y'all want to do this drill, this drill, or do y'all want to do a quick get, pickup game? Right. They get to pick. Yeah. And then it gives them a little bit of, yeah, she's listening to us. And it lets her retain control, mm-hmm. right? It's almost that illusion of they're getting a choice. Oh, exactly. My wife does it to me all the time. Oh, yeah. Do you want tacos or burgers? And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Damn right. right. It's my house. We're eating burgers. Is she? Yeah, exactly. And the whole time she knew exactly, uh, exactly. what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, that's importante. 
Um, all right, let's go to Mary in Indianapolis. What's up, Mary? Hi, doctor. What's up? Hey, so, okay, so my question, it's even really a hard one to ask. Bring it I'm on. So stupid for asking it, but. Hey, have you listened hey. to this show before? <laughs> Quite a bit. You are all good, man. You're a good guy. <laughs> there is no weird <laughs> questions on this show or hard questions. What's up? Well, okay, so my husband and I, we have nine kids together. Six are mine, three are his. Nine? Nine. Woo! All right. Nine kids. Okay. Yeah. And five of them are girls. Okay. Well, he, and he is um, a military veteran and he's real strong in his beliefs and things, but he says that when women dress real sexy and provocative, that they're pretty much asking for attention from men and things like that. Okay. And I just... I, just, I don't even know really how to handle that. And when he mentions it around the girls, because if something were to happen to one of them, I don't want them to ever think it would be because of, you know, it's ever anything that they did or because they dressed a certain way or, you know? Yes. Let's take them off first, off the table for a second. This isn't sitting well with you. Tell me why. There's something else going on here. What is it? Well, for one, because I don't believe that. Okay. Tell me more. And, and um, two of the girls actually had, um, an instance with an uncle where they were touched inappropriately. Okay. And I guess that's where it hits home at. And you, and for a while, and he's best, he was best friends with that uncle. And so is he blaming these girls? No, but at the same time, like he, he refuses to call him a pedophile, which I fully believe he's not allowed to be around anyone in the family at all anymore because I made a huge deal out of it, filed a police report, told everybody in the family, everybody knew that I had a little girl. And there was some, like, we had a graduation party because the girls are older now. Of course, we had a graduation party and he allowed him to be at the graduation party. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the kids shouldn't even have to even see him and be in the same room with him. But then also, I don't want the girls to think it's their why, fault. Why isn't he in jail? Because the police said that um, it was just grooming, and there was no evidence of anything. It was just his word against their word. Grooming is a crime, too. Why isn't he in jail? That's what the detective told us. Because they sent out a crimes against children's unit detective to the house, and that's what they told us. Even though CPS has even been involved because he's done things with his... He got accused of doing things, should I say, with his daughter's friends. Are these daughters all your biological kids? Or are they both? No, they're my biological kids. Okay. They're older now. It happened when they were a lot younger. And one I didn't even find out about until way later. Okay. I would not have these kids around that man. I would not have these kids around your husband right now. That's just me. Not even around my husband? Well, he's got absolutely no regard for their safety or care. Yeah, at first I don't think he even believed it, but there's just been too many allegations. And then since I came for, since I made a big deal about it and didn't keep it a secret, other people started coming up because apparently a lot of people were keeping things a secret. They always do. And it takes one person with some, with courage and bravery. But the greatest gift you can give your kids when they tell you something like that is to believe them. Oh, I do 100%. That's why I made I know a you big do. deal out of it and actually involved the police. But they got a dad that doesn't. Yeah. And then they've got a dad. Dumb, and here's why I'm digging into this. Yes. When I dress, I'll just say me, I'm an old man. When I dress nice, I want people to notice me. And so I think it's, it's, not, it's not being genuine. It's being, it's being dishonest to say, no, dude, I'm just dressing good and sexy and attractive, whatever, because it just makes me feel good. That is true. It does make me feel good. But I just want people to notice I look nice. I want people to think I'm good looking, that I'm handsome. And I'm not beyond that. That's fine. And so whether you're 14 or whether you're 40 or whether you're 55 or whatever, I think there, there's some truth to that. And I don't care about what anyone has to say. If somebody, an adult sexually assaults a child, I don't care what that kid was wearing. I don't care what that kid was saying. I don't care what that kid was doing. That kid is a kid. And if there is any sort of um, suggestion that the kids have, has a role to play in an adult um, abuse situation. I, I can't, I'm on, I am out before the, 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 I'll be out of that situation so fast. Yeah. He's not referring to the kids. He doesn't, he's referring to like just women in general. Cause we were watching the show 
And this guy was like basically like harassing this woman textually. And then the guy was like, well, you wore a shirt where I can basically see through it and see your nipples. And then Greg was like, well, yeah, that's true. She wanted that attention from him or why else would she want it? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. That men are hardwired for that type of thing and that women shouldn't even be allowed to wear certain things. Here's the problem is that there's some truth in all of it. If I wear a see-through shirt, I want someone to say something. And that gives nobody license to sexually assault me or to harass me. And if I walk into a room and someone's wearing a see-through shirt, it's up for, to me to turn around and leave out of honor of my wife, out of respect for my daughter, out of respect for all sort, right? So it's all of mm-hmm. it all wound up together. And so to say the way to solve this problem, I, I love how it has been um, women need to be more modest. And the response has been over the last decade or so, or men could rape less, right? Men could sexually assault right. less. It's, it's both and. It's both and. Yeah, it's true. And so I think the, your husband is using this as I, something, there's something else here that you're not telling me, Mary, and I don't know what it is. And if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. But there's something else that's not right. No, I mean, that's it. It just, it really, I think it just makes me fall off the handle, I think. And I feel like I'm being irrational because it just, it makes me so mad when someone says something like that. Have you told him that, that I think you're wrong? Yeah. And then he gets, just gets real defensive. And I probably come at him wrong because I get defensive because like I said, it just brings back all that with the girls. Okay. I recommend having a non-defensive conversation about it. Okay. Of, you've heard me say this a million times and it gets cliche after a while, but to go grab some lunch or go grab breakfast and say, Hey, I'm every time this comes up, these are my girls. And I'm a woman, and I want to tell you, when you say this, I think it's fair to say, somebody shows up to a bar in a see-through shirt, yes, they want people to look at them and see that they're attractive. Fair. That's fair. And um, telling my teenage daughters that they are responsible for the actions of adults in their life, that's just not right. So when he says this, this is what they're actually hearing. And if he cares about them and loves them, he's going to be careful about his language. And I think it's fair for them to understand, hey, as a guy, when you wear this, this is what I, this is the story that I'm telling myself. This is the story culture has told me about you. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm just letting you know. I'm your dad. That's fair for me. Is that, you see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And he sounds like a guy that's going to get all mad and blow you off. And at the end of the day, you have to choose, do I want me and my daughters around this or not? Yeah, he does a lot of times get real defensive and angry at first. Then he'll take a day or two and calm down and then he'll come back and okay. after he thinks about it for a while. And that, that, that may be because you, you, hear the, you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and then you blow up and then he blows up. And now, now we're not even talking about the thing. Now we're talking about who's right and who's wrong, who's got power yeah. in this relationship and that no problems get solved there. I think circling back to, um, hey, I want to have a a hard conversation with you and I want to take you to breakfast and let's sit down and have this discussion and it's going to be uncomfortable for both of us. I love you. I'm not going anywhere, but we need to have this talk. Um, Here's why this is important to me. Um, And then have it that way. Um, I think that's that's a much better avenue to have that talk. Does that make sense? Does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah, it does, because it usually ends up in big blow-ups. Yeah, and tell them, I have no interest in fighting with you. I've got no interest in blow-ups. I have interest in letting you know, here's how this is hitting me. Here's how I'm afraid this is hitting the girls. And you as mom, you've got a responsibility to check in with modesty and with um, discernment and responsibility and love. And here's the you that you're presenting to the world with your daughters. Your dad has a, a role, to, I mean, your, your dad, your husband has a role to play in that also. But y'all got to be on the same page with this conversation. And any side of this conversation that gets out of whack and gets accusing, you can do whatever you want and there's not, or anybody can do, man, now you just got a mess. Now you got a mess. You got a mess. I think the, 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 the place to start here is two adults having a hard conversation together. And he is correct. When somebody walks into a, a bar, right, wrong, or indifferent, 
There's a story, that's a cultural story that's told. That's true. And there is no license ever for unwanted sexual advances, for sexual assault, for child abuse, for molestation, any of that stuff. Ever. Ever. And anybody that tells you otherwise, get away from them as far as you can. It's a messy one, Mary. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. And, man, we sparked it up with that last call. Okay, we've been talking for a long time off air. All right, what were you saying, Kelly? Well, I mean, there is a... There okay, is... We're, we're, like, just, if, if, we're just, if you're just tuning back in, this is... A woman has had four biological daughters... I think her five daughters. Um, she got re- she's remarried, had nine kids, and several of them were sexually abused by um, her new husband's brother. New husband, then fast forward several years later, um, continues to let bro- the abuser around, whatever, and is really loud and demonstrative about women who dress a certain way are just asking for it. And they are putting the vibe out because they want to be looked at and they want to be whatever. And so this guy on the show they were watching was being gropey and gross. And he was like, well, look what she's wearing. And I think I think we said it earlier, like both things can be true at the same time, right? And then Kelly. Okay, so I, I got everybody caught up. But I was raised in that very much of a, what you wear, then you put yourself in a bad position. Because men are just incapable. Because they can't control. So freaking stupid. Yeah, because if you wear that, whatever it is, um, like I remember having to leave for the water park in a one piece and then changing into my bikini when I got there. <laughs> um, sorry, mom and dad. And because, you know, well, you, you shouldn't wear that because then, yeah, you, you're the one putting yourself in a bad situation at a water park that, you know, because they can't control Themselves. What they themselves. It's a weird line between yes, you should be able to wear what you want, makes you feel comfortable, but there is also a responsibility for you know what you're putting out in the world. And you, we were talking just a minute ago off air. There is a difference between sexiness for a 14 year old, which is I'm going to show it. everything, and sexiness that in your 20s and 30s and 40s is a it's a way of being it's an right. essence it's a you, way i enter a room it's the it's my sense of humor it's the way i i gently rest my hand on your arm it's not just everything i can show you right, right. and when i think that's also the same with men when you're younger you want to see all of it yes as yeah, much yeah, as yeah, possible yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. but then you learn that sexiness is a confidence and there's something there's more to it it's yes. it's deeper yeah, yeah. not just all of it at the same time yeah, yeah, yeah. but i mean i know you know as a you know, young as a teen back then. I mean, yeah, you wanted to the short dress, the tight dress, the whatever, because that's your idea of what I, I want. I want that positive attention. I want right. to be seen. Right. And and you know what you're doing too. You know the whole. You know you're full fully aware of what you're doing and the looks you're getting. And the, even at that age, we know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I <laughs> I've always just been a skinny, gangly dude. I never I never got those looks. I never walked into a room and the room gasped. I pr- maybe I should wear tighter clothes, I guess. No, probably not. It's it's different for men and women. That's fair. That's fair. What is sexy on a woman, totally different on a man. Like a man in a three like a good three piece suit, mercy. It's almost like more clothes. <laughs> <laughs> the more clothes I wear, the better I look. That's that does wonders for my self esteem. Thank you for that, Kelly. And that broke my heart. All right, let's go to Sarah in Philadelphia. What's up, Sarah? How are we doing? Uh, you know, living a dream. How are you? <laughs> I am trying my best to not get my show canceled, but Kelly's <laughs> intent on us not having a show anymore. So what's up? Um, so I have a question for you. My 14-year-old son has expressed an interest in um, and a desire to possibly move in with his father. And I don't think it's a good idea. And of course, I don't want him to go. Um, but I don't know what to do. Like, is this something he has to do? Is this something I can stop because I don't think it's what's best for him? I don't know where to go. Um, tell, number one, I hate that. I'm sorry for all of you. Good grief. What a mess. It's been a mess for a long time. He, he just, he's the oldest. So I have five kids and he remembers, I mean, he doesn't accurately remember what it was like when his father and I were together. Yeah. He thinks it was 
this beautiful fantasy land where everything was perfect and his dad was always there and always taking care of him. And I think he just wants that, but that was never true. Yeah, of course. And he's filled in the gaps with movies and TV shows and conversations with his buddies. And he has created a caricature of the man who was in his life before his mom screwed everything up and left. And here we are. Right. Exactly. Um, sheesh. Tell me about dad. So I'm going to tell you that he's not a bad dad, but he's also not a good dad. He's like in the middle somewhere. Um, (laughs) That's hard for me to imagine. So give me some context. Okay. So like when they go to his house, he lives two hours away. So he's not in town. Okay. So when they go to his house um, every other weekend, so it's 26 weekends a year when they go to his house, they sometimes go on hikes. Um, They play a lot of video games. Mm -hmm. They kind of sit around a lot and play video games. Um, But he does take them for a bike ride or for a hike normally once during the weekend. Um, And he does reschedule at least five or six of those weekends a year. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't have safety concerns for them when they're at their dad's house. I mean, when they were younger, I did, but now that they're all older, I don't. Um, But but you know like the difference, on, you know the reality there he would move into. Yeah, and like we're, you know, I, I'm remarried. I have a husband who I adore, and my husband's been in my kids' lives for, um, I mean, we've been married now for seven years. So, um, like, we show up, we coach, we're on the sidelines, we're cheering for them. You know, we're always, like, I go to all the school meetings, I volunteer, I, you know, I do all these things to be part of their lives and to try and make sure that, you know, they have the sports they want to play and stuff like that. And like, he does not do that. He has never done that. And so, but hold on, hold on. There's some more to it than that. You uh, have to understand this is not a son making a statement about his mom. Yeah. This is not a son making a statement about his stepdad. This is a son wondering what the hell was so wrong with me that my dad left. And he will spend the rest of his life trying to solve that problem. Even if it means going from stability and love and connectivity to chaos. Yeah. He has to figure out what he did wrong. And it's a hard, this is one of those back end things why divorce is so tough. Even when it's a hundred percent necessary is these little ones in the middle are left wondering what they did to contribute. And there's no amount of telling them nothing, 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 nothing. Especially when the something is a larger than life figure 23 or 22 times a year. Yeah. And does all the cool things that mom doesn't let us do. Well, and when he comes, so his currently when my oldest son goes for weekends and we do like, my other two sons with my ex-husband, they don't seem to have, I mean, they're not as favored as my oldest son by my ex-husband. Like my ex-husband took just my oldest son on vacation last year and did not take the other two. Um, so they're, it's very clear that they're not as favored as he is. Um, but when he comes home from his dad's from the weekend, it's like three days of him hating me. Oh, of course. There's a, the reentry is, it's, it's, Yes, absolutely. And he says stuff like, now I'm always someone like I, I never badmouth my ex. I think to the point where like, not that I should ever badmouth him in front of the kids, but to the point where I think I've kind of glossed over things that really weren't okay. Mm -hmm. Like maybe even made the kids feel like, you know, if I'm upset, I shouldn't be upset because mom says that dad loves me and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but apparently, just found out recently, he's been bad-mouthing me quite a bit. Sure. And telling the kids that, like, I took them away from him. Sure. And all this kind of stuff. And I was having a conversation with him with an earshot of my kids. And he started accusing me of cheating on him, which wasn't true. Um, and all these other things. And I'm like, I'm not going to speak to you about this right now. And he was at my house. And I was like, you need to leave my house right now. Um but it's just like, I don't know what to do because I feel like if he, 
he moves down there, is he just going to hate me? Like, he's going to believe all these things? Because I, you know, never really discussed this stuff with him. So he doesn't know any other side of the story. Right. Here's it. I, I, I'm just, I'm fast forwarding because this is a complex issue and it's not one that I can just say, yeah, you need to do this or do this. Yeah. Um, my gut tells me he needs to stay with you guys. And my gut tells me that that's going to come at an extreme relational cost. Or yeah. to put it more directly, there's no way to win here. And so we're going to do the right thing even when it's hard. Okay. Like, you're, you see what I'm saying? So, um, if I were you, I would tell him, I'm willing to consider this, but we are going to go, you and him are going to go see a counselor together for a minimum of two months, three months, whatever. And in this conversation, the counselor can help guide the conversation about living arrangements, why he wants to move, maybe then slowly and gently and appropriately introduce, here's the reality of dad. Sometimes the counselor can ask questions that appear to put you on the spot that you have to answer, um, but that makes the counselor the, the, to, to the bad guy, if you will, and not mom. Not mom just sitting down at breakfast lobbing grenades about dad, but mom asking truthful questions about like, yeah, dad was abusive. Um, I had to leave for my own safety. or I, had to, I was trying to keep you guys safe. And all of those are going to be damaging to him because, and you probably heard me say this, he knows innately half of him is that guy and half of him is you. And he has to make that other half right. Even if that means glossing over glaring issues like abuse, not showing up, rescheduling, forgetting all you just play video games while I'm doing some stuff outside. Like he's going to gloss over all of it because he has to make it right because that's part of him. And if he's not good, then I'm not good. Okay. And it's so messy, so messy. That's why I, it makes me so sick that he would talk bad about you. Well, and that's, I had divorced parents. So when I had, like, when I split up for my ex-husband, one of the things we talked about was I was like, we can never badmouth each other because you have to remember that half of our kids are each other. And it makes them feel like that half of themselves is wrong or bad exactly. or horrible. Exactly. And like, that's a horrible, horrible feeling to grow up like that. I was like, I don't, like, they can't have that. And now like, and I don't think he sits my son down and says, like, here's a laundry list of things that are horrible about your mother. He just makes, like, little comments. And he makes significantly more money than I do. And his household makes, like, probably three times as much. So when they go down there, it's like, we can go out to dinner and we can... And it just all adds up into this this perfect storm of, like, my oldest son just eating our house and being here. Yeah. And he's just, and it's chaotic too. There's five kids, two of which are, you know, someone else's dad, like the whole thing. And then, yeah, you dangle this um, daddy Warbucks situation in front of him. The whole thing's just a mess. And on top of it, I actually think if he sat your son down and was like, your mom's the worst, your son would have some defense mechanisms. Like, well, hey, that's partly me too. And he would think through it and he'd be like, well, mom hugs me. That's, I mean, 14 year olds are pretty sharp. I yeah. think the more insidious ones are they're driving and he just puts his hand on your son's head and tussles his hair and says, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do this all the time? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if your mom would like, let us do this all the time. But she like, I mean, she went to court and said, I can never see you. And that's why we can't do this all the time. That is the stuff that is insidious. Cause there's no comeback for that. Yeah. And I hate that that's happening to you. I'm sorry. The hardest part for you is going to be not taking this personal. It's a four, a 14 year old trying to find out what he did that was so bad and trying to figure out why half of him is so chose to leave. Yeah. And I'm trying to like, not take it. Oh, I know, dude, I'm asking you, if it was me, I would, (laughs) man, I would be taking all this personally. Um, And you hear me say all the time, like your kids can't make you feel anything. No, I'd feel terrible. I would choose to feel terrible, right? It's the worst. It's the worst. I'm asking you to do the impossible. I know. But that's, that's why I think bringing a counselor in and be prepared. The counselor may say, I think the best thing is to spend a year there. 
And y'all, you and your new husband, y'all have that conversation. Would we allow this? What would it look like? What are the rules? What are the guidelines? What does a court say about it? Um, you may get there. And I don't know enough about your son. I don't know enough about your divorce decree. And I don't know enough about um, what the long-term ramifications would that would be for him individually and your family unit um, for him to go away for a year and try it out. Um, I've heard of it happening and it's, I've never heard of it going well. Like dad's true colors show themselves eventually. Yeah. And originally my son was talking about trying it out over the summer for like one or two months. And here's the thing I've actually offered to my ex-husband, like, you know, would you like to have the kids for like a month during the summer solid months or like six weeks or something like that so that you can like really spend time with them And I always try and give him extra time whenever there is, you know, time, because I know that the kids like being down there. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we have behavior problems with my younger son with him, because when he comes back, he's played video games the whole weekend and he can't control himself at school. Of course. But um, he's never been interested in taking me up on this. And all of a sudden he's interested. And I think it's because just recently he changed our support agreement and he no longer is able to claim my oldest son on his taxes and it just cost him like four thousand dollars on his taxes um yeah he would if he's doing if he's doing well financially he wouldn't do something this dramatic for four thousand dollars well he's not very good with his money (laughs) i mean you'd have to be really bad with mathematics to think a $4,000 tax write-off versus living every day with a 15-year-old is going to save you money. I agree. I know how expensive my kids are. It's ridiculous. Yes, and he's just not getting into driver's education and driving and dating and like, he's about, things about to get real expensive. He he also likes to tell me all the time that the kids shouldn't do their extracurricular activity. Like, they're too expensive. You need to stop letting them do that. I, and you course. need to stop spending on that and that. And I'm always like, of course, no. And that's why I say maybe with the support of a therapist, some of those conversations are going to come out and maybe, okay. maybe you nailed it. Maybe just trying in the month of July to see what it's like. Cause here's yeah. what I'm thinking off the top of my head. A lot of the data suggests that when um, a husband and a wife split up and she takes the kids, her income, her net worth goes down. His accelerates exponentially. And generally it's because he can take as many shifts as he wants. He can work overtime. He can go get another degree if he wants. He's not trying to tread water. And so it's not uncommon for there to be a ton of money that just ends up in this trajectory because he's got no anchor point, right? He can do what he wants. And then once a weekend, I mean, once a month, he it's a free for all and then to go ride go-karts and play video games and eat lucky charms for every every meal and then he can just return back to his real life when you and your family unit have to absorb the the fallout from all of that all that to say um i think it would be best to sit down with somebody a professional and say and tell your son i'm willing to have the conversation but there's a lot of the story that you don't know And I believe with all of my heart that the respectful, kind thing to do is to always talk good about your dad. And so I've done that. And we're going to have to, if you want to, if you want me to entertain this, then you're going to have to go with me for a period of time with a counselor. And we're going to have some direct open conversations and um, about you, about your thoughts, about your ideas, about safety, about my concerns. um, And then we'll go from there. Off the top of my head, I don't like it. It feels like a 15 year old is going to get dropped off in Neverland and who knows what happens next. But I'm not an expert here. And so I, I want to concede this one to somebody who's going to have a real good insight of you and your family. At the end of the day, I promise you he'll come back. I promise you. You're playing a long game with him. And so six months, a year, two years, he's going to come back and he's going to one day see, man, that woman never gave up on me. She loved me and loved me and tried and tried and kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. Hang in there, Sarah. He's lucky to have you. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. 
In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. Um, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to, uh, if you're on watching this on uh, or listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. And don't forget those five-star reviews. If you got three-star reviews, just email them to Kelly and um, she'll probably read them to me because she loves that when people write in mean things and she gets to tell me about them. Makes her heart feel good. If she had one, right? Just kidding. She does. Uh, all right. Today's song of the day. <laughs> this is the song that, that Joe, who's running the board, he is always, always singing this song. Makes everybody uncomfortable. His HR file is something to behold. But it's from his favorite artist, the great Right Said Fred. And the song is I'm Too Sexy. And I'll give it a dramatic reading. I'm too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. I'm too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. I'm too sexy for Milan. New York and Japan. Didn't rhyme, Fred. I'm too sexy for your party. No way. I'm disco dancing. I'm a model. You know what I mean? And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. I do my little turn on the catwalk. Out of your dumb party. Too sexy for my car. Too sexy for my hat. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'm too sexy, Sam. I am. Green eggs and ham. This, if you're ever wondering, are we going to make it? No, we're not. We're super not. This was a top, top hit. I love y'all. See you soon.